week. And I just know that know that we're going to be blessed and informed. But, you know, it's, it's, it's like this morning, my heart and passion is this, that what we come out with is that we're better informed to be able to impact our communities and world. You know, the, the, uh, there's a lot of people who don't understand, that don't know where we are. And um, we, we've been called Bible thumpers. We've been called a lot of names over the years. Uh, but when we come out with better explanations on why what's happening in the world and how it lines up the Word of God, it opens, it opens even the eyes of those who are not churched to the truth of what God's Word says. And so it gives us a greater opportunity to share truth and share the love of Jesus with them. So I'm, I believe that this week is a, is a, a tools workshop for us to better equip us to reach a world who is in search of something, and they just don't know who they're in search for, and his name is Jesus. Amen? I'm going to start with prayer, and then I'm going to turn it straight over to Brother Grant and let him take off. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this wonderful time that we have together to grow, to learn, to experience your presence, to, to really be able to capture what you are doing in the world today, what you've already told us, what you've already uh, showed us through your word throughout the Old Testament. Uh, Lord, I pray, God, that our eyes would be open, our ears attentive to what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to us today. May, make us aware of the signs that are happening in order for us to be able to be equipped to share the truth with the world. We love you, we honor you, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys ready to go? Okay. All right, here we go. Just to go over a couple of quick things over the next five nights. Every night we're going to open up with anywhere from 25 to 35 minutes of current events, what's currently happening in the news, and, and why is it important? Because there's a lot of things that happen in the news, but they're not all important through the lens of Scripture. There's a lot of things that go on that affect us, but it's not always because it's, oh my goodness, is it the Bible talk about this? Yeah, not really. So that's not that it's not maybe important to you, but through the lens of Scripture, as believers, what are we commanded to know? So you'll have notes, and when you came in also, there were some maps. One is of the general area around Israel. One is a larger map, including that of Europe. A lot of those maps we'll be using throughout the night over the next five nights, they'll be on the screen, but that is for your future reference. The notes that you got also when you came in, there's about 42 pages tonight, and yes, we're going to go over 42 pages of notes, and it's going to be fine. You're all going to be fine. Because we're not going to go every single verse in detail. Some of the verses are um, replicated. We'll use the King James, which is closest to God's heart, and then we'll, just a joke. Then we're going to use the Amplified, okay? So... Not every single verse will be utilized, but I don't want to ever take things out of context, so I put the whole, the entire context in there. But just so you know, you know the Old Testament is confirmed in the New, and the New is confirmed in the Old. So when everyone wants to run with a Bible verse thinking this is the only isolated verse in there, it's like, no, because anytime you have two pastors, preachers, teachers, Christians in conflict over a scripture, they both can't be right. You're either both wrong or one of them is right. So you cannot have two people with different opinions about God's word and both be right. It's impossible. The, the word's not, the word, it says, it's there for us, our understanding, 
So there's nothing wrong with wrestling to come to the, it's not, let's water it down and come out with a general conclusion. No, let's, what is the truth, because the truth will set you free. Then there's also a generational map. When you came in, there's also a general, generational map, and that is basically, we'll refer that to a little bit. You don't have to memorize that. It's just to give you an idea when we talk about these first, not just 10 generations, but after the flood, from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you would be surprised at how many of these men or these generations of people knew each other. Because when you think about the Bible, it's like, oh my goodness, all these, it's like, no, these are all in the book of Genesis. And all of them passed along these stories of what God spoke to them. And Moses wrote and recorded all these things down for us. So that is for your benefit just to look at that. And even for your future Bible studies to understand when they were alive. And it helps really put things into context about even the stories of Methuselah, who his grandson was, and how Noah knew Enoch, and all these different things, and how they spoke to each other and ministered to each other. So every night, we're going to be given the current events. So here we go. Now, the current events, <laughs> we like to have a little, you know what, I think we should be able to have fun with current events, right? Because a lot of us scream when we go through current events. And, hold on a second. I'm about to scream. Here we go. Okay, there we go. All right, here we go. I did not print the current, the current events, but it's okay. I'm going re- to read them. Ah, here we go. Okay. In verse, in Matthew 16, Pharisees and the Sadducees came up to Jesus and they asked him to show them a sign right from heaven. Show me something. Show me your authority. Now remember, Jesus in the first 15 chapters of Matthew had already been performing miracles. He's already been performing miracles. He's already done a lot of things. He's already fulfilled prophecy just being born. Prophets already said this is where he was going to be born. This is how he's going to be born. And they listed all this. So everyone knows who wants to know. These are the church people. You guys remember church people. Church people know the Old Testament. Because at the time of the New Testament, they only had the Old Testament. So the only reason they knew Jesus was because he was prophesied by Isaiah from Micah and all of these other Old Testament, going back to the time of Genesis, Jacob said, this is where the Messiah, the scepter for Shiloh, would come from. So, but the Pharisees and the Sadducees would be the equivalent to today's religious people. These are churched people. These are leaders of churches, right? So pastors, preachers, and teachers. So Jesus replied to them, when it is evening, you say... It's fair weather for the sky is red. So he's giving them, (laughs) he goes, you know what? You can figure things out in the natural. You know that you and I have a lot of uh, wisdom in the natural, right? We know, hey, it's windy out. It's getting cloudy. It's probably going to rain. As a result of it's raining, maybe I should roll the windows up on my car, right? That's just natural wisdom. So he's telling the religious people, you know how to navigate life naturally, And now you know all the prophetic things that I have fulfilled, and now you want me to show you an additional miracle. And in the morning, he says, in the storms, when it's a sunny day for the sky is red and it's gloomy and it's threatening, like you know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret what? He's telling the church leaders, you can figure out everything else in life, but you can't even figure out the signs of the times and that's the Bible, the very thing that you're supposed to know. 
Remember, Jesus was the fulfillment of Bible prophecy. They're questioning prophecy. So the, the, forget about right now, all the prophetic things that are taking place because there's nothing new under the sun. Religious leaders right now are questioning right now, are these prophetic things that are taking place? Jesus said, they happened when I showed up in the flesh. And Jesus is what? Jesus is the word. They're questioning the word, and the word was just made flesh, walking around them, and they're questioning it. And he said, you wicked, can you imagine saying this to the church? <laughs> they're questioning Jesus. Jesus says back to the pastor, you wicked and you're unfaithful generation. A sign be given unto you? You're corrupt. It's going to be, I'm sorry, the sign of Jonah. You're going to need the sign of Jonah. What's the sign of Jonah? Three days in the whale. That's Jonah 1. How many days was Jesus when he died? How many days is he gone? They know it was prophesied that that's how long Jesus would have to be gone. And he said, you're going to need a sign like Jonah to believe me. You don't believe all the prophecies written about me, and this is what you're going to have to see in order to believe me. So when the disciples reach the other side, so the disciples are watching Jesus address religious people because the religious people were questioning the word. And then the disciples are like, well, how do we combat religious people? Do you guys see that going on right now in the church? You have people who really do know the Bible pretty good, but they don't believe it. They know where it's found. They can speak it, but they don't believe it. They twist it to make it look, them to, no, it can't be it. This is, believe me, trust me. But they're listening to the word and how the word responds to these things. So when the disciples reach the other side, so they get in the boat, go with Jesus to the other side, and they found that they'd forgotten, they'd forgotten bread. I love this. Jesus uses anything, right? You know that Jesus uses anything in our lives to get a hold of us? Doesn't he say he used parables all the time, but Jesus used things in our lives. So Jesus said to them, be careful and be on your guard against the leaven, the ferment of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So they forget bread, and Jesus goes, hey, you know those religious people I just dealt with at the church? Be careful. Ferment means to change, to get a rise from. You know what, people, there's a lot of false prophets trying to get a rise out of people right now. They try to get a rise out of you. Ooh, listen to me. Oh, really? Here's, oh. And ferment means to change, to change the structure of or the shape of. And they reasoned among themselves about it, saying, he says, because we did not bring any bread, they're going, wait, what are you talking about? Have you ever read the Bible and you go, what are you talking about? Right? When first people get saved, they go, I just read the book of John. Just read the book of John. Wait, read the book of John? Yeah, you just got saved. Go home, read the book of John, and come back two weeks from now, and you'll be fine. <laughs> So I'm a new believer, and I read the book of John, and I go, I have no idea what you're talking about, right? I just, I have no idea. So verse 8 says, Jesus, aware of this, asked him, why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you have no bread? Basically, do you not comprehend what I'm saying right now? Oh, you meant how little you trust in me and how little faith you have. Do you not yet discern and perceive and understand? Do you not remember the five Lows and 5,000 and how many? He says, do you not remember the miracles that I performed and what the difference is when I'm talking about when I talk about bread? This is, oh, this is so key. Nor the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many? Now Jesus is going back at all the miracles that he's already done and he knows that the religious people are asking for even more miracles to prove who he is. 
He goes, how is it that you fail to understand that I was not talking to you about bread? How do you fail to understand that I was being very simplistic in how I was speaking to you? But beware of the leaven, the ferment of the religious people who are trying to twist the word. This is in key, verse 12. They have, then they discern that they did not tell them in between of the leaven or the bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So here's Jesus at the time of the end. Be careful about pastors, preachers, and teachers twisting the truth about the time of the end. Now, this isn't me speaking. I'm just regurgitating what Jesus already said in the Word. Luke 21, verse 34, which parallels that of Matthew 24, 3, says, Take heed to yourselves, be on your guard, lest your hearts be overburdened and depressed. You know, when you watch the news all the time, all the time, you know... (laughs) Who watches ESPN? Anybody watch ESPN here? For many, it took a long time to recognize that every 30 minutes, it's on a loop. The Detroit Pistons did not play 10 games in the last hour, right? When you watch Fox News, CNN, which is not the Christian News Network, when you watch MSNBC, when you watch all these things, it's the same thing over and over from a different take on somebody. If you watch the news for 15 straight hours, I'm telling you, you're going to be depressed, Because if you don't look at it through the filter of Scripture and know that Jesus is coming, these are just warning signs for you and I to get ready, you're going to believe it because the more and more you look at and you speak death into something and not life. I'm not saying don't know what's going on. I'm telling you, you hear it, look through the filter of Scripture, and then keep living. Because if you live live to hear the news about how bad it is outside, you will be paralyzed and you'll sit in your house and you'll never leave. And then when you do, no one will want to listen to you because you're always talking negative. Because Jesus is still alive. The things that are happening right now is because Jesus is letting it happen. See, we think he's not in control. He's very much in control because he told us this was going to take place. We think, oh, no, if I would have voted differently. Okay. (laughs) I thought, we're not going to talk politics, are we? I'm talking biblical things and the world calls it political. The church should always call it biblical because it is biblical what's happening. I don't care if it's about education. I don't care if it's about media. I don't care if it's about politics. That's all biblical, and we're going to talk about it. Yes, you're going to be judged for how you voted. Did you vote for Israel? Did you vote for life? But that doesn't mean you always get the outcome that you want because Jesus said, did you do what was right? But I still have to do what I promised I would do to show that the world is wicked and I'm coming. Oh, that was good. Thank you. All right. This is going to be all right. You guys, okay. All right. But we're going to become, we're going to get giddy and nauseous and we'll have headaches. There'll, there'll be drunkenness. Like we can't, we laugh at because we can't believe the craziness of what's going on, right? We, how can sane people do what that's going on right now? How can corruption allowed to be taking place, not just at a federal level, a state level, at a local level, in schools, how, in businesses, how can everything be shut down? What's going on? Jesus said, uh-uh, be on your guard. Don't get nauseous about this, right? Don't get nauseous. Stock up on toilet paper because it's coming. Right? God give us wisdom. Why? Why does he say be on your guard? He says, because if you remain here after the rapture of the church, judgment on the birth is going to happen to every single person that's left. So be on your guard. Don't, don't not, not pay attention. Don't put your head in the sand. That's why verse 36. Keep awake. Keep awake to what is going on. 
He didn't say put your head in the sand, keep awake at all times, be attentive, discreet, ready, praying that you may have the full strength to... I want to escape the things that are going to come, everyone. I want to escape it. I don't want to be here. So I, I want to know what's going on because he said, I'm going to send you signs to what is taking place. Oh, there you go. You know what type of Christians we're not supposed to be? I know nothing. Nothing. <laughs> you know what type of church you shouldn't go to? <laughs> When you look at current events continuously and you don't look at it through the lens of Scripture, it's, it's very important. I watch the news, everyone. I, I, I know what's going on. And I know people watch the news. Well, some people watch the news more than I do. They watch less. It doesn't matter to me. All I know is if you don't, if you don't be careful. It happens. It's going to happen. It's going to happen to you. It's going to take place. Next current event. Next current event. Two weeks ago, Turkey Parliament, former general, he announced that they are beginning a group, an organization, that is going to attack Israel. So this is Turkey, former general. Parliamentary groups, they're coming together to attack Israel. This was not from his basement that he made this announcement. National news, Turkey. National news, you know what? When it made national news in Israel, because when a nation like Turkey says, we're going to attack you, you know what's broadcast in Israel too. You know what the people just to the north said? You know, Turkey, you know what? <laughs> the places that Turkey's at right now, incredible. Turkey, right now, is located, they have troops inside of Syria. Last week, Israel decided to lob a couple bombs into Damascus, Syria. Do you guys, you guys hear that? Why? Because there's weapons depots inside of Damascus in Syria where Turkey, Russia, and Iran have weapons right now. Right outside of Mount Hermon, which is in the Golan Heights, and through the series, we're going to go through this just to give you where the Bible says, the Bible calls it in Ezekiel the Bashan area, which is the Golan Heights. The Golan Heights is to the north of Israel, separating Syria from Israel. Right now, from Iran to the east, Iraq moving to the west, Syria, Turkey, and Lebanon, these are the key areas that we'll watch to the north as we go through current events. Now, I know a lot of people go, well, who cares? Who cares? Well, you know, the Bible cares. The Bible told us, and this is by this morning when I mentioned Ham, Shem, and Japheth. You guys remember that? Ham, Shem, and Japheth? Those are Noah's kids. The Bible is very clear when Jesus said it'll be as in the days of Noah. And the book of Ezekiel tells us that Ham, Shem, and Japheth are going to come up against their brother Shem. Shem is from the line of the Semite people. These are not your notes, everyone. This is just current events. Right now, we'll get in our notes in a second. If you're looking for what I'm talking about, it's all up here. It's just gonna, it's gonna be fine. It's gonna be fine. But Ham, Shem, and Japheth. Shem is from the line of the Semite people, Israel. Japheth, the Bible says, went to the north. We'll study that in Genesis. The line of Japheth, these are the descendants of Japheth. They went into Turkey. From Turkey, they went to Germany. 
This is natural history and biblical history. From Germany, they went to Britain, from Britain into Spain, from Spain to Italy, from Italy to France. Those are the descendants of Japheth. Do you know those are also the five toes on one of the legs of Daniel in chapter 2? 2,700 years ago, it prophesied those five nations in Europe would come up against Israel. Hmm, interesting. Do you know those five nations consistently vote against Israel at the UN? Well, that's a very lucky guess. That Bible, sometimes it's right. No, the Bible's never wrong. The Bible's never wrong. So then you have the line of Ham. Ham is the area of Canaan. That was one of his sons, Canaan. Also, the descendants of Ham was Sodom and Gomorrah. Also, it says in Ezekiel 38, verse 6 and 7, it's also Iran or Persia. And then you have Egypt, Libya, Ethiopia. Those are all the descendants of Ham. And all those descendants come up against Israel at the time of the end. Do you know those are who are in the news every single day? Those are in the news. So just because CNN said it doesn't mean it's not true about who's surrounding Israel. It just means everything else they say is not true. You guys, you guys okay with that? I mean, come on. It's okay to laugh in church. It's okay. Yeah, so you're not going to get struck with lightning. It's okay. It's going to be okay. So what is taking place, though, with, in regards to Turkey, Iran, and a lot of these Islamic nations is the Pope. The Bible talks about a one-world religion. And we'll get into that more during the series well, but just as a current event, what's going on now into the north in Iraq. This past March, there was an interfaith prayer conference that the Pope hosted with Sikh, Hindu, and Islam outside of the birthplace of Abraham, which is in Ur. The first time a sitting Pope ever went to Iraq. It's not a coincidence, everyone. You know that the Bible tells us in the book of Daniel that the Antichrist comes out of Iraq? Hmm. Well, you're saying the false prophet, what, what? There's two different people, the false prophet and the Antichrist. Antichrist is Islamic man. The Bible tells us that. We'll go to that. And the false prophet, Revelation 13, tells us that it will be a pope from Revelation 17 and 18. So he will unite, an apostate Christian will unite with Islamic religion and meet in Iraq and come down to attack Israel 42 months after the rapture of the church and after the seven-year peace treaty is signed. This is why these are big deals. These are, these are strategic things that are taking place biblically. And Jesus said, when you see them coming to pass, know that the time is getting ready. That's it. These are things that are taking place. Now, part of Islam, what's going on with Islam? And people say, oh, I've never fallen for that. But you know, there's plenty of other people who think it's the same God. Why? Because there are plenty of Christian churches that teach it's the same God. Why? And for the sake of peace and unity. You guys ever heard of Dr. Rick Warren? Purpose Driven Life, Purpose Driven Church, right? A lot of people write this stuff in the 90s, right? He came out with a Purpose Driven Church, too. And the Purpose Driven Church, and I'm, here, I'm not here to slam anyone. I'm here to inform you why and how this is taking place. The Purpose Driven Church told in order to grow a church, you need to remove the crosses from your church. You need to stop singing songs about the, the word with blood in them and to remove any names from the outside of your building with any affiliation towards a church. That is how you grow a church. It makes people feel comfortable. Do you know that in the Bible says, or Islam, the Hadith in the Quran says, at the time of their end, when the Mahadi, their Mahadi, their end time savior, is going to come down for the last one world government religion, he'll come down from Iraq. Hold on. Islam's savior comes down from Iraq. 
The Bible says the Antichrist comes down from Iraq. Oh, the Bible said it 2,700 years before. Hmm. So the Bible predicted it before the Quran was even written. And Islam has a Jesus. You guys know Islam has a Jesus? They call him Esau, I-S-A. In Islam, Jesus is a false prophet. He comes back at the time of the end, at the time of a one-world government and a one-world religion takeover, and he comes together with the Mahdi, our Antichrist, and their false prophet, Jesus in Islam, tells everyone, I deceived and duped you all, and regarding Christianity, Islam is the savior. Do you know who also comes down at the time of the end from heaven? Jesus. So there's many in the Christian church in the name of unity will start preaching and teaching we all serve the same God. We don't serve the same God. Well, what, why'd you bring up Dr. Rick Warren for? Because in 2009, he gave the inauguration blessing over Barack Hussein Obama. And I want you to listen. There's a really quick clip of what Dr. Rick Warren is doing because Islam says, as a part of their end-time prophecy, that they're supposed to come in to the West and remove crosses from churches and to buy up churches. Here's the inauguration prayer, 2009. Dr. Rick Warren. Here we go. It won't play. It would have been really good. There we go. Church in Lake Forest, California, to provide the invocation. I'll commit our new president and his wife Michelle and his daughters Malia and Sasha into your loving care. I humbly ask this in the name of the one who changed my life, Yeshua, Isa, Jesus, Jesus. Hmm. So the person that changed his life was the Islamic Jesus. So in an attempt to facilitate every single religion, do you see how one religion is going to take place? The Pope right now is, they're building a one world religions, which in 2014, Shimon Perez, who was the former president of Israel, said now that his term was up, his eight-year term up, president of Israel, said it is my job to bring united religions to pass. This is a Jewish president. And he said, the Pope needs to head it up to unite Christians, Jews, and Islamic people together. The Grand Imam from Iran, along with Shimon Perez, and the Pope all dug peace trees in the back of the Vatican together. This is on the news. This isn't like, oh my goodness, where did you, are you making this up? No, it's just regular news. There's nothing hidden. It's all wide in the open. The secular news... Did you know that Fox News is not a Christian news organization? Fox News, I'm, I'm not trying to bash Fox, but during this last election, I think you saw some things with Fox News, right? They changed a little bit, right? There was some change as daddy turned over to the boys. I mean, I'm, it's very important where you get your news from. It's very important where you get your news from. I like to read Jerusalem Post, Times of Israel, it's from the perspective of Israel. It's very important, very important what we're listening to. We'll do one more current event for the night. 
Who is this, everyone? Come on. Jeff who? And he is what? Amazon, right? Everyone knows Amazon. Right? He's probably a truck at your house right now dropping something off, right? You guys getting your Christmas shopping done early? You probably ordered it this afternoon after lunch and it's already there. We all know Jeff Bezos. Oh, you mean, I can't use Amazon anymore? Yeah, it's fine. Amazon's fine. Amazon's fine. This is why when you look at things, not everything's a sin, everyone. These are signs. The technology, all these things that are taking place, it's, it's just taking place. So, but Jeff Bezos, Amazon, and this is actually about a year ago, but now you start seeing it popping up because the, the testing of it is over. At Whole Foods, you guys ever been to Whole Do you have Whole Foods down here in Tennessee? All throughout the country, starting in Seattle, Amazon is putting in hand readers. Read your palm, you don't, and that's how you're paying now with your palm. And it's like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I will never go to Whole Foods again. Once again, that's not a sin to pay with your palm. It's like, well, do you pay with a credit card? Yes, that's in your palm, right? So I'm not trying to make light of or make fun of, but a lot of people even question, can I get the vaccine? Can I not get the vaccine? Is it a sin? Is it not a sin? No, it is not the mark. It's not anything like that. Whether or not you get it because of health reasons, that's on you. But what I'm saying is it's a sign because the Bible says, Jesus said, you'll see something coming. What's, what's coming, right? It says you'll have to take a chip and you have to in order to buy, sell, or trade. You have to. Why? It's food rationing everywhere. When does that take place? 42 months after a seven-year peace treaty, after the rapture. But Jesus said, you'll see it's coming. What? The technology. You'll see how they will tell people you can't, you're going to lose your job. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. It's happening. It's happening. Are we fighting it? Of course we fight it. Yes, there are things in our Constitution. There's freedom, all these things. There's nothing wrong with fighting evil, everyone. You don't have to roll over, but there's signs to us to get ready. That doesn't mean we give up. That means we fight. When we fight, other people say, why are you fighting this for? Because it's wicked. You don't roll over and say, oh, yes, just take me away in the wickedness. No, I'm going to fight it. And other people go, wow, these are some brave people. Why? Because I know what's going on. I know what's taking place. We can't get lost in this. So well, what, what should we take away from, it's a palm reader, who cares? That's all, it's the technology of it. From Bitcoin, from all the things that are taking place right now, the technology is there that was spoken of 2,000 years ago in the book of Revelation. And when we see all of it coming to pass at what time? What, what's taking place? From Turkey, from Iran, to Russia, coming down in the Golan Heights, in the Bashan area, outside of Mount Hermon. I know I'm going fast, but it's going to be okay going to be okay. We'll slow it down. This is just current events. These are all notes in the next couple of days. But I want to let you know, all of these things are in the Bible. We're not trying to make it fit a narrative. It's just, it's right in the Bible. He says, when you see Israel surrounded by these nations, Ezekiel, the never wrong prophet Ezekiel said, when you see Russia, Turkey, and Iran right outside of the Bashan area, which is the Golan Heights, I command you to know that the time is near. Oh, what else is taking place? When you see a cashless, when you see a, when you see a chip required to buy, sell, or trade, 2005, this morning I mentioned that, then Senator Biden told Justice Roberts at the confirmation hearing, in your tenure, during your time on the bench, you will have to make a ruling, is it lawful for a United States citizen to take a chip in their hand or their head to buy, sell, or trade? You'll have to decide on that because it's already in the works. So Jesus said, when you see it coming, it's not conspiracy theory if it's true. 
A lot of people in the church, oh, you conspiracy theorists. If it's true, it's not a conspiracy. It's like, this is bizarre. It's, it's true. A lot of people, some pastors rip on you. I can't believe you talk about that. I go, you mean about the Bible? You can't believe I'm talking about the Bible. I said, I'm commanded to know about it. I'm not commanded to shut up about it. What good is it if I know it if I don't tell people? Because Ezekiel 33 says it's my job to warn you because the blood is on my hands if I don't know what's going on. And I'm not telling you what's going on in the news. I'm telling you through the filter of Scripture. Because I can jump up and down and I can turn this into a Hannity and Combs. You guys remember Hannity and Combs? It was just listening to two people argue from two different political points of view. I'm not arguing from political points of view. I'm telling you what the Bible says about what's going on. It's a totally different way of looking at things. And I get excited about it because the Bible is true. And the, you know what the biggest fight we have? is people in the church. Well, be quiet about that. I don't want to hear about that. Okay. What, what do you want to be quiet about? Let's just stick with the New Testament. The New Testament is full about Jesus is coming. Okay, let's go to the Old Testament. The Old Testament is fulfilling the new. <laughs> it's You know what? Just let it out. It's okay. It's, it's okay. That's why I do the goat screaming occasionally because I, I, I scream at home. Yeah, I do. I just walk around the house. Kelly can attest to it. It's going to be fine. Jesus said, so likewise, when you see all of these things, you guys remember this morning, things, where things were, God's word, promises in God's word, when you see them taking place, I command you to know. The word know, the word know is a command. It just means like, go make disciples. I command you to know the signs that it's near. I command you. And if you love me, you would what? You keep my commands, right? So when you see these signs in the Amplified, so there's things and signs, signs in my word. What are things? Things in my word. When you see them all taken together. Remember we talked about 2 Peter chapter 3 this morning. He says, the church is saying, you've been talking about this forever. It's impossible. Israel became a nation in 1948. The prophetic time clock can't start until Israel becomes a nation. Well, why do people say that? I can't believe that. Because you can't have nations, Turkey, Iran, and Russia, surrounding a nation that doesn't exist. So 1948, Jesus can't come before that. Why? Because in his words lie. He said, Israel becomes a nation and you're going to be surrounded. And then you will see the signs of a one world economy and a one world religion taking place. And then you'll see Israel surrounded by Turkey, Russia, and Iran. Ezekiel 38. It tells us exactly what's going to take place. It's not conspiracy if it's true. But I'm telling you right now, there's a lot of conspiracy stuff going on that has not even close to being true. Remember, the Bible's filled with prophecies about the time of the end, and they're never wrong. Never. Well, I follow a practicing prophet. And there's no such thing. I'm practicing. Sorry, I got a couple wrong earlier this week. Apologize. I'm just, I, I'm just getting there. I just, I got two more years. You have to prophecy school, then I'll be done. Then I, then I, then I know I, I can get them all right. This isn't about that. There's personal prophecies that still take place. The Bible's full of it. You know, there's personal prophecies. There's different things. You, God can speak to you about different things. At the time of the end, there's nothing new under the sun. What is going to take place has already been spoken. The only prophetic thing left about the time of the end is bringing forth that which was already spoken, identifying through the Holy Spirit, this is that which was spoken of by the prophets. That's it. That's all that's left. There can be personal prophecies about, hey, I, God, give me direction. God spoke to me. I, don't, I shouldn't do this, shouldn't go there. That's great. But that has nothing to do with, you know what? I think, um, hmm, I think Brazil is an end-time prophecy now. It's not. 
You know the United States is not an end-time prophecy? Oh, I can't believe you just said that. I love the United States. I served in the military, four years active in the Air Force overseas, four years reserved, eight years in, love the country. I fly a flag. I got all my military stuff. I love the military. I was sick when we pulled out of Afghanistan and how we left our troops. But do you know what happens when you see these? Did you know that prophetically, Islam said the Khorasan area, the Khorasan area going back during the Ottoman Empire, the Khorasan area is Afghanistan, Pakistan, and Iran. Islam says, take that area over, then take Iraq, which they already have. That's when we start the last caliphate, the last one world government, and the last world religion. Do not think that if President, if President Trump was in, he wouldn't have done that. But you know that God knows that President Trump wouldn't have done that. God knows that President Trump would have protected Israel. God knows that Benjamin Netanyahu would have protected Israel. So he said, you know what? I got to remove you guys because it's time. You can still vote correctly, but you and I might get the outcome that you like. But ultimately, it's not about us. It's about God's timetable. So he goes, I need Israel surrounded. President Trump, you said that you would send all our troops into Israel to protect that little nation the size of New Jersey, the one that's filled with the Bible, that's the apple of God's eye. And for whatever reason, it's Benjamin Yad, 143 days later, he gets removed. And all of a sudden, bam, Iran, Turkey, and Russia are at the doors ready to come into Israel. There's bombs in Iran that no one cares about in the United States. It's like, I can't believe the United States is doing this. Either can I, but God's word said it's going to take place. So we can't get upset that God's word's being fulfilled. I'm not saying I can't get upset occasionally, right? Kelly gets a lot more upset than I do. She throws the remote. I just kind of dodge a little bit. It's like, it's like, hey, let's just stop watching the news for a while. Come on, relax. It's going to be fine. I understand the anger. I understand the frustration. But I also understand that these were prophesied in God's word. And I get excited when God's word is true. And I look at it happening, and that's why we need to tell the church what's going on. Because we, if we're all wound up and angry, how are we going to witness to a world? I'm supposed to have hope for what's going on, not anger about what's going on. So before you go outside, have a slice of pizza, a Mountain Dew, and I'm telling you, it just it settles you down. And then you can go out and be that witness. And you know what? Talk about through the filter of Scripture what is going on. Oh, it's so great. You guys get that? Okay, now it's note time. All right, now it's note time. So let's just current events. We'll go through current events every single night. We'll hit three or four of those. And then biblically, what are we talking about? So don't get scared. Once again, I know there's 42 pages, but there's a lot of pictures, and they're, they're not scratch and sniff. I know some of you have tried already. <laughs> I tried to I try to use non-flavorful colors so you don't get duped. Okay. John 1.1. 1, 1. It's very important to establish this, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word is God. The Word in the Amplified says, and it's Jesus himself, right? It's not going different than the King James, but it's, it's giving you, this is the original text in the Greek. The Word is Jesus himself, right? Because in John, 4, John 1.14, we know that the Word became what? Flesh. So the Word is Jesus. So it says the Word was before in all time because we know there's a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they've always been. There's always been. That's why when you get into religion, they'll go, I don't know about this. This is so confusing. No, it's always been. It's always been. 
So why did Jesus come to earth? Because he loves us. He came to show us the way. You know why he came? The Bible says in Matthew and Luke, he came to fulfill prophecy. He had to come because thousands of years earlier, it said he would come. The prophets in the Old Testament had to be proven correct in order for us to believe them now. I'm going to say that one more time because I was expecting a much grander response. It's okay. There are things that the prophets already said that have come true in order for us to believe them about what they're going to say about the future. They said Jesus would come and this is how he would come. Isaiah said this is how he would come. Micah said this is what he was going to move to. He's going to go to Egypt and then he's going to be a Nazarite. Then he's going to be born in Bethlehem and this is going to... And they're like, oh, why do you think all of the disciples started following him immediately after his fast? He walks into town, everyone starts following him. Like, that's the guy. That's the guy that was prophesied about. Wait, he came like 28, 30, 30 years ago? But now he's showing up? Yeah. It wasn't time yet. It wasn't time. So I'm saying, oh, I just want Jesus to come now. It's not time, but it could be tonight. Could be tonight. Right after the football game. Could be right tonight. Could be before. <laughs> Next page, page two. So Jesus came so people would also believe on him. From this morning, John 14, 15, 16. Remember, he said, I tell you these things in advance while I'm with you, so when they happen, you'd believe me, right? I'm telling you in the flesh what's going to take place. But the Bible is filled, filled with prophetic things that have already been established, so we know it's never wrong. And as of the result of establishing the writers or prophets are never wrong, we can rely on God's word. We can rely on God's word. I don't want to rely on someone else telling me something that's in God's word. You and I have to learn and to know how to study our Bible. We have to be good Bereans. And it's great to have a great pastor, a great teacher, and you follow someone online. But just to say, well, you know what? I like 95% of what they say, but 5%, I just, it's contrary to God's word. Then why are you listening to them? Why? You know what the Apostle Paul said? Apostle Paul said, if, any, if I start preaching and teaching something different than I did before, opposite of God's word, don't listen to me anymore. But you and I, this is the Apostle Paul. We're not at the level of Apostle Paul. He said, if, there's, if I start teaching anything different, don't listen to me anymore. But we knowingly listen to people we know who are false. Yeah, but they're so nice. I know prophetically they like to say stuff and it's never right, but oh my goodness, they smile. Oh my goodness, it's so great. And they're on early in the morning. I just love that. I just, oh. <sighs> Jesus was born fulfilling prophecy. Just talked about that. Then 30 years after his birth, he arrives on the scene. But we know that the Bible says that he was actually studying the Bible in the synagogues when he's age 12. So the word was studying the word. <laughs> think about that. You and I aren't the word, and we think we can get away with not studying the word. But the word was studying the word. You and I don't think we need to study the word, but we listen to other people who we know aren't telling us the whole truth about the word. <laughs> it's a little messed up. This is why Jesus said, Luke 4. Jesus replied to him and said, The scripture says, You shall not tempt, try, test exceedingly the Lord your God. Jesus just finishing 40 days in the wilderness. He's fasting, praying before he goes into ministry. He's speaking this to Satan. And when the devil had 
ended every, the complete cycle of temptation, he, what did he do? Temporarily left them. Hmm. You know, just because we fought at one battle or two battles in our life, doesn't mean Satan doesn't come back once or twice more. So we always need to be on guard. We always need to be reading the word. There's not a devil underneath every rock, but I'm telling you, if we fall into temptation and we surround ourselves with people who are not in the word, we're going to get into trouble. It is very important who your friends are. <laughs> it's okay, okay, all right. It's very important who your friends are. All right, we'll try again later. All right, all right. we'll get back. I'd, okay, there we go. Okay, well, and we can even post-edit amens in later. That's just great. It's just hard on the live stream. All right. <clears throat> so Jesus went back, verse 14, full and under the power of the Holy Spirit. Now he's filled with the Holy Spirit. Hmm. We learned from this morning that the power of the Holy Spirit lets us remind us of sin, judgment, and righteousness, and things to come. Do you know that Jesus was given a job in the things that he had to do in the future? You don't think he was fasting because of that? He even said, he goes, man, I would really like this cup to pass for me. <laughs> right. We're worried about wearing a mask. I would really like this mask to pass for me. Jesus had to go to the cross. There are going to be some things that we have to endure, everybody. Not everyone gets to move to Tennessee or Florida or Texas, right? Can you imagine every single mandated state just moves to one or two states in the whole union, right? It's just like, oh, man. It would be kind of funny, actually. All right. Verse 15, and he himself conducted a course on teaching in the synagogues. Jesus, the equivalent, Jesus started out, comes back, filled with the Holy Spirit. What does Jesus do? Humble Jesus. He starts teaching Sunday school. I know so many people, oh, man, I have a gift of teaching. I'm just waiting for my senior pastor to move. I'm going to take over the church. I got anointing. Do you want to teach Sunday school? Nah. Waiting for the management position. Well, maybe you ought to start here and prove if you can be trusted with the little things, maybe you can move up. You know, the kingdom of God works a lot like business. <laughs> you know, the business world gets a lot of their information from the Bible. Ah, yeah. Huh. Jesus conducted a course on teaching, being recognized and honored and praised by all. They knew who he was. They got it. He's the guy that was prophesied by Isaiah. He came to Nazareth. That was prophesied. Where he'd been brought up, he entered the synagogue. It was his custom. Wait, Jesus went to church. <laughs> wow. There's a lot of stuff in here, isn't there? Wow, the Bible's just filled with it. Hmm. Full of nuggets. The Word studied the Word, and the Word went to church. But for such a time as this, the time of the end, all of these taking place, prophetically, it's all coming together at one time. There's people who don't want to go to church anymore and don't want to read the Word anymore. We're doing the very opposite of what the Word says to do. Do you not think that Satan had something to do with this shutdown the last 18 months? Because Paul told the end times church, who thought they just missed the rapture in Hebrews, they thought that they were going through the tribulation. He said, no, how much more so should you be meeting together? Don't you think Satan had a part in this? Of course he did. He wants God's people apart. Why? So you can gather to yourself itching ears stuff from these so-called prophets. Hmm. False teachings everywhere, everyone. It's false teaching. Why? Jesus said so. So he went to the synagogue, verse 17, and there was handed to him a roll, the book of the prophet Isaiah. He opened the book and found the place where it was written. Oh, here you go. The word is teaching Sunday school. The word reads the word. 
And now the word is opening the word in the church. The Spirit of the Lord is, can you imagine Jesus showing up tonight? He just comes up, he goes, excuse me, I got something to say. Oh, uh, okay, Jesus, I'm almost done, hold on. No, the word that became flesh comes in, opens up the book of Isaiah. He's quoting Isaiah, everyone. The New Testament is going back to the old. Why? To show that prophecy is being fulfilled. Why does Jesus want to show that prophecy is being fulfilled? So he can establish the things about the future will come to pass. He has to establish they're always correct in order for us to believe about the future. The Spirit of the Lord's upon me because he has anointed me, the anointed one, the Messiah, to preach the good news, the gospel to the poor. He sent me to announce release the captives of recovery, sight to the blind, verse 19, to proclaim the accepted and acceptable year of the Lord, the day when salvation, the free favors of God profusely abound. Then he rolled up the book. Remember, it's a scroll. Rolled it up. Done. Gave it back to the attendant. Sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were gazing intently at him. They're like, Awesome. Jesus came, the word showed up, he read the word, and oh, it's him. Because Jesus was reading, I am the guy that Isaiah was talking about. And everyone was just gazing at him, right? Mm. And they began to speak to him. And he said, today the scripture has been fulfilled. I'm the guy. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the words of grace that came forth from his mouth. Hmm. So he said to them, you will doubtless quote to me this proverb. Remember, they just asked him, is this not Joseph's son? Like, who do you think you are? Who's saying this to him? The religious people. The people in the church are going, oh, that's the word. The pastors, preachers, and teachers, Sadducees, Pharisees go, who do you think you are? It's our show. We'll tell you what scriptures to read and what they mean. So he says to them, you doubtless quote to me this proverb? Physician, heal yourself? What we have learned by hearsay that you did in Capernaum, do here also in your own town. Then he said to them, Solomon, I say to you, no prophet is acceptable and welcome in his own town. But in truth, I tell you, there are many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heavens were closed up for three years and six months, and there came great famine all over the land. And yet Elijah was not sent to a single one of them, but only to Zephyr in the country of Sidon. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of Elisha, the prophet, and yet no, not no one of them was cleansed or being healed. When they heard these things, oh, here we go, things, word, God's word, Jesus speaking the word. All the people in the synagogue now were filled with rage. Six verses ago, they're like, oh, Jesus is awesome. I love it because he's doing and saying what we want him to say. No, he's not. Because they put a period where Jesus puts a comma. It's not my desire that anyone should perish. See, God doesn't want anyone to perish. Everyone gets to go to heaven. But that all turned to repentance. It's not a period, it's a comma. Here, Jesus keeps going and starts telling them, and they hated him. They were filled with rage. Rising up, verse 29, they pushed and drove him out of town. They led him to the upper part of the hill where the town was built, that they might hurl them headlong down. They wanted to kill the word. They were so excited that the word showed up, and now they wanted to kill the word. He quotes about prophets in the Old Testament that they wanted to kill also because they didn't want to believe them. 
So Jesus is equating to what they feel about him to what happened in the Old Testament. You see how that's always pointed back to prove a point. Jesus goes, this is, you're doing exactly what you've done before, and look at the outcome. Look at the outcome. But they did it anyways, religious people. See, when you really want to talk about the word, see, it's interesting what has happened in the last 18 months, the revelation or revealing of what has been going on in churches for a very long time. You might, it's like, well, it's never happened. Where I've gone to church, you might be listening online, it's like, it doesn't happen in my church, but you know what is happening in a lot of churches. Well, why do you say it? Why do you say that? Because Jesus said it's going to happen in many churches, many. You know, he said many prophets and preachers and teachers will come to deceive many, many. At the time of Noah, how many people were on the ark again? Eight billion didn't get on, minimum. I would say that's many. Jesus said, as in the days of Noah, at the time of Lot, how many people got out of there? Initially. <laughs> Four. Four. As in the days of Lot, so shall it be. Jesus is telling people, don't be deceived, don't be duped, that even the religious people say, stop talking about the Bible, stop talking about prophecy, stop talking about fulfilling prophecy. It's all conspiracy. No, if it's true, it's not conspiracy. It's true. But remember, the conspiracy or things that you would like to talk about doesn't always mean it's through the lens of Scripture or just because a, someone on TV who calls himself a prophet, it doesn't mean it's true. It's crazy what's going on. In Revelation chapter 2, prior to the rapture of the church, John thought it was necessary to tell us that there was someone in the church, a Thyatira, and he says, the problem I have with you, church, is you're tolerating someone who calls themselves a prophet, but they're twisting God's word, leading people into sexual sin. The church, church members were tolerating someone who called themselves a prophet, but they were speaking something contrary to God's word. But the church does it all the time. Well, I really like what they say most of the time. But if it's not true all the time, don't listen to them. <laughs> okay, you guys Okay. All right, all right. Okay, everyone, if you guys could set your clocks back one hour right now. <laughs> We're gonna fall back. I'm just, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, you don't even have to do it. I'll just keep going. All right, all right. You guys okay? If you guys need a note for tomorrow at work, I'll write it. <clears throat> kind of not kidding. All right, here we go, here we go. Page four. You guys ready? The remaining 38 pages go really fast. You're going to be fine. <laughs> if we don't get through all of it tonight, we'll finish it after midnight. It's fine. <laughs> As in the days of Lot, where did, where did um, real quick, it's not on your notes, where did Lot, where did he, what, what were the cities that got bombarded? Simon Gomorrah. Hmm. You know, Jesus said it'll be as the days of Noah. You know, Ham, Shem, and Japheth that we just talked about? You know, Ham's descendants, grandkids were Sodom and Gomorrah? Hmm. You know the Dead Sea? You guys ever heard of the Dead Sea? You know why they call it the Dead Sea? Because everything is dead. There's nothing, there's nothing <laughs> grow there. It's dead. Do you know why? Because it's such a high sodium content, salt. Nothing can grow there. Nothing. In the southern portion of the Dead Sea, 
it is covering a city called Sodom. Do you guys remember what happened to Lot's wife? What, did, what happened to her? Turn a pillar of salt. Do you know that everyone, including Islam and the Jewish people, know that's Bible? She got turned into a pillar of salt in the exact same spot of the southern part of the Dead Sea, and it's all salty there to today as a reminder of what happens when Jesus calls you out of a lifestyle and it says, she looked back. Jesus referred to her in Matthew and said, it says she turned back and she longed for, right? This is where, (laughs) I joked about this morning, but it's really not a joke, right? We long for things of this world so much that we're hoping that Jesus doesn't come because, you know, my daughter's getting married in a couple months. I'd really like to see her get married. And then the rapture take place, right? I want Jesus to come tonight. It's like, I only got a couple more mortgages left. I just want to pay off my mortgage. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Jesus, come now. What happened with Lot's wife? I longed for, he says, she turned back and she longed for her friends. She longed for a wicked world. I just want everything to go back where it was 18 months ago. If we could just go back. I don't want it to go back way 18 months because what, what happened? In the last 18 months, it just exposed what was lying underneath. Everyone thinks, oh, no, it just happened. It didn't happen. 2005, they talked about the chip openly on TV at the, at the confirmation hearing. It's been going on for a long time. As Christians, we've been blinded. No one talks about it. No one explains it. It's, it's in our face all the time. And we just argue amongst each other. And we pass along YouTube clips of prophet so-and-so and prophet so-and-so. And these scriptures, it could be me, this could be this. No, let's just talk about it openly and end the discussion so we can all go in unity and tell a fallen world this is what's going on. It's so much easier. Page 4, John 16. When he comes, Holy Spirit. I would say we need to walk with the Holy Spirit right now, don't you? When he comes, he will convict and convince the world, demonstration, sin, judgment, and righteousness. The Holy Spirit changes your life. He just doesn't change if you speak in tongues or not. He changes everything. Everything. About sin, verse 10. About righteousness, 11. Judgment. He says, I got more things, prophetic things, things to tell you about the future, but you can't grasp me. Have you ever, boy, 40 years ago, you could not grasp what is going on today. Couldn't grasp it. Couldn't grasp No way. No, there's no way. Can you imagine? In Revelation chapter 11, it tells about two witnesses. Most people believe it's going to be Elijah and Enoch, the only two raptured people. And the Jews believe they're the two raptured people. This is why when John the Baptist showed up, they go, hey, is that Elijah? All throughout Scripture, they knew that they were coming back. So they thought they missed the rapture. They asked John the Baptist, are you Elijah? Because they know there's going to be two witnesses. So in Revelation 11, it tells us we're already gone. Revelation Between Revelation 3 and 4, the church is gone. It's done. Boom, we're raptured. Revelation 4, 19 just deals with judgments on Israel. Boom, this is happening, this is going on. It says in Revelation 4, we're waiting for Jesus to come on the beam of seat and open up the judgments. The judgments haven't even started yet, and we're gone. We're having appetizers in heaven already. We got our white gowns on. They're stain-guarded. They're pru- it's like we're just floating around. It's like, this is great. It's all Bible, everyone. It's all Bible. We're up in heaven. We're getting award ceremonies. It's, it's awesome. It's incredible. Why? We're escaping these things that are to come in Luke 21. We're escaping it. It's done. 
We can't even grasp what's going to happen. But here are these two witnesses going around and telling everyone, you just missed the rapture. You just missed it. But they can't grasp that now. These two witnesses in Revelation 11, it says the whole world is going to watch them get killed in the street. Everyone's going to see these two witnesses get killed. 42 months into the tribulation. It's Revelation 11. We're already gone. Seven-year peace treaty signed. War of Gog and Magog is over. We'll talk about that this, in the study. I'm just giving you a little, little insight into this. So it starts clicking a little bit. Ooh. 42 months into it, these guys have been witnessing for 42 months, and all of a sudden, now they're allowed to die, fulfilling prophecy. They get killed. They lay in the street. It says the whole world is cheering that there's no longer a message about Christ. They're speaking, to this, they're speaking to the Jewish people. Up until cell phones, the whole world cannot watch them ascend up into heaven after three and a half days. They can't. The cell phones are watching, and everyone around the world says they're celebrating because they watch them die, but then it says they're horrified when they watch them ascend up into heaven, fulfilling prophecy. What, is there more to that? Well, big deal. Who cares? You know, in Islam, Islam is the only religion that kills people who are considered against them, and they let their bodies lay in the street for three to five days. Coincidence? I don't think so. But when he, verse 13, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. God's word is truth, everyone. Once again, he's going to guide you. If you hear something false, boom. Peace out. I'm not listening to you anymore. For he will not speak his own message, but he will tell whatever he hears from the Father, and that he will announce and declare to you the things. What are things? Words, prophecies in God's word, promises in his word. Don't think promises are all about jumping up and down in blessings. I promise you, if you are disobedient, I will spank you. That's a promise. I promise you. You know what's the problem? What, you think about parenting, right? I'm going to count to three. I'm going to count to three. One, two, two and a quarter, two and three-eighths, two and a half. We don't want to discipline so bad, but that's the very thing that a child or a child of God needs to make sure that they stay obedient to his word. God is consistent in his disobedient when we're disobedient, how he corrects. He said he only corrects the ones he loves. Be scared when you start sinning and live a sinful lifestyle and you don't feel a correction. Holy Spirit goes, hey, you habitually do this. It's iniquity. Done. So Holy Spirit's going to declare to you things that are going to come and that will happen in the future. It has to be God's word, though, that happens in the future. Jesus wants you and I, just like he told the disciples, to go wait for the promised Holy Spirit because it will remind you of sin, judgment, and righteousness. Why do I want to be reminded of sin, judgment, and righteousness? So you're ready for the time of your end. See, if everyone just lives for to be alive at the rapture of the church, it doesn't matter. If you died righteous, you get to go up in the rapture of the church. That's it. When is the rapture of the church? Come Friday, we're going to narrow it down. I'm just kidding. People want to know so bad when the rapture of the church is. There was a book written in 1988, 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming in 1988. The book stopped selling in 1989. It is. It was, it was, 
They didn't even do 50% off. It was just like... The same gentleman wrote 99 Reasons Jesus is Coming in 1999. Guess what? The day after, when all the computer systems... Remember, we're supposed to fail? Do you guys remember that? Everyone was sitting around, had their candles ready. All the computers in the world are going to shut down because it can't figure out 2000. Everyone was singing the print song, you know, 1999. I mean, I was like, it's all at the end of time. Jesus is coming. But we didn't see any of these signs taking place. He says, when you see them all coming to pass together, coming at one time, then you will know it's time to get ready. Then you will know. Page five. Page five. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all assembled together in one place. Suddenly there came a sound of a mighty rushing wind filled the house that they were in. Jesus told them to go wait for the promised Holy Spirit, didn't it? And how many were in the upper room? You guys remember? 120. Do you know how many is in the parliament or the Knesset of the, um, Israel right now? Take a guess. 120. Wow. Hold on a second. You know, at the Babylonian captivity, this is Daniel now, we're going to get into Daniel tonight. At the time of the Babylonian captivity, and they came back, remember Ezra and Nehemiah wanted to rebuild the walls, you guys remember that? Ezra and Nehemiah. There were 70 people, and when Ezra and Nehemiah came back to join, they changed to 120. Then you have this gap of centuries, and then... The New Testament church forms again, here in Acts 2, 120 are in the upper room. Huh. 1948, Israel comes together again, and it's 120 people. Why, why, why are you saying that? Should I play 120 tomorrow on my, the lotto? Nope, that's not why I'm saying that. I'm just saying that there's a reason why they're picking 120. We're going to find out some more about the Jewish heritage and the wedding of what that means coming up as well. These are things that the Jewish people are doing because they understand God told us 120, we're going to do 120 again. We're going to do 120. I'm not telling you you're going to live to 120. I'm not telling you to spend $120 in groceries tomorrow. This is not what I'm saying. I'm saying there's a repeating a pattern of certain things in the Bible, and this is why they do it. It's like God told us to do it there, we're going to do it again. The Knesset's 120. Why? Because they believe that's how the New Testament church started, and they're supposed to have got a new start in the nation of Israel, and that's why they did it. So there appeared to them tongues resembling the fire in verse 3 and distributed and which settled on each of them. And they were all filled, diffused in their souls with the Holy Spirit that began to speak in other tongues and languages. And the Spirit kept them clear and loud expression in each tongue and appropriate words. I'm going to read that again. They were filled, diffused with the Spirit, with Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other different foreign languages. You guys see that? Hmm. As the Spirit kept them giving clear and loud expression. Now there are the residing people, Jerusalem Jews, devout in God's Men, country under heaven, verse 6, when the sound was heard, multitudes came together and they were astonished, bewildered, because each one heard the apostles speaking in their own dialect. So the 120 filled with the Holy Spirit, they started speaking in other languages. Not their own language, they were Jews. They started speaking in other dialects and languages. The thousands of other people that were there at that time, they were from all different nations, and they heard the same message coming from the same people, but in their own language. Everyone understand what's going on? Like, how did all these Jewish people understand how to speak 
These are people from Palestine, from Iraq, from Pakistan. How do I know that? The Bible tells me if we keep reading. It says they were beside themselves. They were astonished. They were bewildered. They were amazed. Then how is it that we hear each of us in our own particular dialect? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, inhabitants of Mesopotamia, Judea, Pontus, Asia, Egypt, Libya. All of these people from northern Africa mentioned these are descendants of Ham and descendants of Japheth. They all came into the area of the Semite people, or Shem, and they all heard something that's being spoken here. Do you guys see this? All of these nations from the descendants of Japheth and Ham, as in the days of Noah, who went to the north and the south and the east, who were all supposed to come back and attack Israel at the time of the end, they heard this day of Pentecost and people baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they heard them speaking in their dialect. They were blown away, like, what is going on? These Galileans, these people, they don't know our dialect, but how can we can understand what they're saying? Just blown us away, what's going on? You know that God doesn't want us to miss it? You know that God can use people to speak different languages and they have no idea what they're even saying. (laughs) Oh, wow. Residents from Rome. Wow. Cretans. Arabians. Verse 13. Others made a joke. You guys are drunk. Peter said, nah, it's too early. (laughs) Verse 16. But instead... Here it is, guys. Remember what Jesus said? He will show you things to come. He will recall those things, and do you remember? But instead, this is the beginning of what was spoken through the prophet Joel. Acts 2.16, the King James says, this is that. Peter, baptized with the Holy Spirit, becomes illuminated to what was already spoken. The Holy Spirit said, wait, what is taking place right now was spoken in the Old Testament. What is taking place right now in the world was already spoken in the Old Testament. When we walk by the Holy Spirit, it says he will show us things that have already been written that will come in the future. When I see Israel surrounded by Turkey, Iran, and Russia, this is that was spoken by the never-wrong prophet Ezekiel in chapter 38 and 39. In chapter 39, it says after that couple-day war, there's going to be, for seven years, all of their artillery will burn for seven years as a reminder. Wait, how long is the tribulation? Seven years. Hmm. Sounds like a coincidence. Why that Ezekiel? He got a lot of guessing right. Maybe I should listen to him occasionally on YouTube. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. The duration of page six and seven, we won't go into detail that tonight. That's there for your reading. But as you'll find that Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, then starts quoting from the prophet David, King David. All of a sudden, Holy Spirit brought into his remembrance, just like Jesus said, he will cause things to come in your remembrance, things that you have already heard and read. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, goes, this is what David said. He even said that Judas, there would one of us that would betray us and we have to replace Judas. Do you guys remember all this? This is what the Holy Spirit does. He causes those things to come in your remembrance, those things that you have read. But you have to read and hear it. You know why you have pastors, preachers, and teachers? It says, how will they know if unless no one tells them? But you have to be that person to tell people what's going on. You can't skip over Bible. I'm going to spend the next four years on grace. 
Really? Okay. What about, what about what's going on in the world? Then we're going to talk about love. Can we talk about what's going on in the world? Because the Bible says, if you love me, you would keep my commands. So you can't get outside of the Bible's description of the word love or grace. Grace isn't there so you keep on sinning. Grace is to empower you to live by faith. Because when you live by faith and you take a step forward, you might need some grace occasionally because you can't see it. But Jesus said, because I can see you acting in obedience to word by faith, I'm going to give you some grace. Grace is not so you keep on sinning. You can't do a 47-week thing on grace and say it's covering this sin, it's covering this sin, it's covering this sin. No, if you keep habitually sinning, you're not going to heaven. Boom, next topic. <laughs> okay, it's all right. You guys okay? Uh, can we get to the end time stuff, please? Yes, we are. This is all end time stuff, everyone. You guys know that? It's all end time stuff. <laughs> and top of page nine. Top of page nine. The word... God's word is to be proclaimed about the time of the end, about the time of your end. What's going to happen at the time of your end? You know, you stand alone before God. You stand alone. Your small group doesn't come together. Said, oh man, we've been studying. <sighs> she told us the wrong thing, so it's on her. <laughs> then why are you sitting in that small group? Why are you sitting there? Well, I, I don't want to offend. Okay. You're not going to offend someone. You know what? There's nothing wrong with coming up to someone who calls themselves a believer in Christ and saying, can we talk about something here? Because it is, it's, the right thing to do is to tell people when they're in error. You don't let someone continue on in their error in order not to offend because that's about you. That's about you not being uncomfortable. The body of Christ is therefore to correct so all of us make sure we're all going in the right direction. Not to let someone fragment away and go, okay, well, we just want to address them over there. No, one of the hardest things to do, that's why the Bible gives us specific instruction about how to deal with someone who calls himself a brother or sister in Christ, and they're going off into cuckoo directions, right? It happens. Everyone you know, if you've been in the church for more than a day, you know it happens. <laughs> Matthew 3, 2. Here's John the baptizer. John, who prophesied that John would come, repent, think differently, change your mind, regret your sins, change your conduct, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Wait, repent? Ugh. Uh, let's skip John the Baptist. Mm. But, oh, wait, verse 3. Hmm. This is he who was mentioned by who? By prophet Isaiah. So prophet Isaiah foretold of someone coming in the future that would pave the way for Jesus Christ. So when people saw John the Baptist, they're going, oh, well, we get it now. Oh, okay. And then Jesus shows up. It's like, oh, that's the guy that John the Baptist was talking about, that Isaiah was talking about. Everyone knew the sign because there's layers and layers and layers of prophecy. You can't get this one wrong. You have to choose to be ignorant to God's word. You choose it. You choose to say, I don't believe it, even though it's true. I choose not to believe it. God doesn't want you to miss it. He's given you layers and layers of prophetic things. Remember, Jesus is the word. John's garments were made of camel hair. That's one reason not to believe him, right? I don't like the way he looks. Well, my pastor, he's not funny, or he's too angry. He beats the pulpit. He dances when he talks. I don't like it, so I don't. He's, he wears camel hair. <laughs> uh. 
He wore a leather girdle around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. I don't like my pastor. He eats wild locusts. But they were baptized, verse 6, by John confessing their sins. Most of the time, people proclaiming the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we call it good news, but most of the sinful world doesn't want to hear it. We call it good news because if you accept it, it's good. But most people don't want to hear it. Why? Because the darkness doesn't like the light. Irritates them. A wicked world, we live in the United States, let's talk about the United States. A wicked government doesn't like Christians talking about the wickedness that's going on. They don't want to be eliminated. And it's not wrong to get involved in local school districts. That's what you should be involved in. Because everyone complains, Christians, they complain about yanking their kids out of school, but you don't want to get involved in the school districts. Run for office. Change some things. No, we just keep pulling people away and say, oh, Jesus is coming. Let's all huddle together. It's not wrong to pull your kids out of school, everyone, but it's not wrong to get involved in your schools either. Get on the school boards. Get involved in all these elections that are taking place. Why? The Bible says, until he comes, I'm going to take a stand. To having done all, stand. I'm going to raise the banner. I'm going to throw that flag out because no one's messing with my town. It's okay to do that, everyone. It's okay. So the rest of those passages are talking about John the Baptist. The next page in Matthew 4, Jesus, after John the Baptist died, Jesus said, you still have to repent. You still have to change your conduct in order to be in the kingdom of heaven. You have to repent. The same thing 2 Peter 3 says. Repent, 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 repent. Repent. We don't like to talk about repent because when you talk about repentance, you have to talk about sin. We don't like to be talking about sin because we like to pick and choose what sins we like to keep. <laughs> right? Everyone's got those couple sins that we all like to keep, right? Some of them hide it better than the others because other people get sins, so we don't really care. And then the other people in the church don't want to get involved because we don't want to offend. Isn't that interesting how that all works out? Man, get involved in people's lives. It's okay. It's okay. It really is okay. And I know I'm going to be leaving Friday, but it's okay. Pastor Paul will deal with it. <laughs> he's shaking his head like this. I'm just kidding. No, he's fine now, so. He just spiritually high-fived me. No, it's all right, too. It's okay. It's all right. I'm just kind of kidding. Kind of kidding. Bottom of page 11. Bottom of page 11. Jesus shared throughout the Gospels, the last paragraph, page 11, what it would look like at the time of the end, the importance of the promised Holy Spirit. Remember, he said, I've told you these things while I was still with you, so the Comforter, he's going to come. He's going to teach you these things. He's going to cause you to recall. Remember, Peter baptized in the Holy Spirit. This is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel, Right? Prophet Joel. So Peter said, then he went on to David. He started quoting all these Old Testament passages when the Holy Spirit came upon him to identify that which was taking place. Now I want to to skip forward a couple pages for time's sake. Page 15. Page 13, 14 is just once again a reminder that Jesus said in Matthew 24, when you see all these things coming to pass, Luke 21 is the parallel of that. The synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called synoptic gospels. They are in order of their stories. That's all it means. John is not contrary to those. John gives different detail in different order. That's all that it is. But Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you won't find them in the exact same chapter, but you'll find them in the same order. So Matthew 24 is speaking of Luke 21, and it keeps progressing from there. So, but in page 15, 
Many in the church today have been misled into believing that since no one can know the day or the hour of the Lord's return, we can't know for certain that his return is even at hand. That's false. Jesus said, I command you to know. Why would Jesus command us to know in Matthew 24 the signs of his return if we can't know it? Why would he? It doesn't make any sense. Well, let's not talk about it. If we can't know, let's not talk about it. But he says, I command you to know it. I command you to know the season of my return based upon the signs that I told you about Old and New Testament. But Isaiah, the never wrong prophet, said, my Israel, you're, they're blind. They're without knowledge about the time of the end. Dumb dogs cannot bark, dreaming, lying down. They love to slumber. Yes, the dogs are greedy. They never have enough. In such a way, the shepherds, who they don't understand, they have all turned their own way. Once again, I'm reading from Isaiah. This isn't personal. I don't get up here and go, oh, I can't wait to say this. Oh, I just feel so good about it. I'm just telling you, these are the words of the never wrong prophet. He said, at the time of the end, this is why you won't hear about it. Okay, everyone understand that? This is why you're not going to hear about it everywhere you go. Next page on page 16 is a reference that I made this morning about the rapture of the church. The exact day no one knows, not even Jesus knows. But we are commanded to be ready because a rapture is going to take place. It is going to happen. Two people will be walking and one's going to be yanked away. It's going to happen. Why? Because the Bible said so. Well, that's the prophets. No, this is Jesus in Matthew 24. No, this is Jesus in John 5. No, this is Peter. It's Paul. It's Jude. It's all throughout the scripture that the rapture is going to take place. It's not a new thing that someone came up with 100 years ago for escapism purposes. Because it's Bible. It needs to be taught. The reason rapture is not taught, there's been polls on this, it's because people don't want to hear about sin, judgment, and righteousness. The rapture is a judgment, everyone. It's a judgment. Jesus said in page 17, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. That's why he's telling us in advance what's going to take place. All right. We're going to get into Daniel. You guys ready? All of those Bible verses there, there's more things for you to read. It's all good. Don't be, don't be scared. Before we get into Daniel, though, page 20. Page 20. Page 20. God's Word, top paragraph, is going to be used to judge us at the end of the time. God's Word. Not what you think, not what your spouse told you, not what your small group leader, not what your pastor, not what your preacher, not what your teacher. It's God's Word. God's word is going to judge you, and it's great because God's word doesn't change. Well, I remember back in the day. It doesn't matter what someone else said back in the day. It's remember what God's word says. No one ever can remember what a steak. You know, a steak doesn't do you any good to remember what it tastes like. You have to eat it. God's word, if you try to remember what it said, you're going to remember fragments of it. But the best thing to do is open up God's word every single day and feed on it. Because it's going to bring into your remembrance the things that have already been taught and spoken. You're going to go, oh, that's what it is. Well, I remember. I don't want to remember what a steak is, feels like, like, smells like. I want it smack dab right in front of me, and I want to cut it, and I want to eat it. The Bible is the same way. Stop trying to remember what it says and crack it open and read it. And read something that's in total disagreement with your natural man. Because that's what you need to cut off in Hebrews 4. Oh, that was good. Okay, it's going to be fine. All right. Galatians 5. Here's Paul. Right before we read Daniel. We're just going to go over a little bit of Daniel tonight to lay some foundation down for the rest of the week and our current events. But Galatians, Paul said, Paul's writing who in Galatians? Who's he writing? 
What group of people? The church. Writing churched people. These church people are asking Paul, did we miss the rapture? We're getting slaughtered by Romans. They're killing Jews and they're killing Christians. They're taxing Jews and Christians. They're shutting down their businesses. They're saying, did we miss it because we know it's supposed to look something like this? Remember, they're looking for John the Baptist. Is that Elijah? Is that the witness from, is it, wait, is this the candlesticks from Zechariah and Zephaniah? Is this, what's going on? Because they remember portions of the Old Testament, but they didn't want to crack the Bible open anymore. This is why people were scurrying around 18 months ago. Is this it? Is this the end? Is what's going on? I don't know. Do I remember? I don't know. No one's really talked about it for 40 years. We talked about more about the rapture 40 years ago than we do now. We're 40 years closer to the time of the end, and we talk about it even less. 40 years closer to it coming to the end, there's more and more sin in the church than ever before. Why? Because we don't want to talk about it. Why? Because we're closer to the time of the end. People know it, and they don't want to be judged, so don't tell them about it. You see the cycle? If it's so far away, tell me anything. It doesn't really matter. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. Now it's getting closer. It's like, hey, wait, hey, what, 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 what now? You're talking about that sin? I don't want to listen to you. I'm going somewhere else or nowhere else at all. So this is what Paul said. I'm surprised. I'm astonished that you so quickly turned renegade and discerning him, capital H, the word, who invited and called you by grace, for transferring your allegiance to a different gospel. They were being slaughtered and killed by the Romans. And guess what? All of a sudden they go, you know what? Jesus isn't real. The word isn't true. Because they were going through some difficult times. Now that there is, could be, not that there could be another gospel, but there are obviously some who are troubling and disturbing you. <laughs> Bewildering you with a different kind of teaching. They want to pervert and distort the gospel. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to or different from that which we preach to you already, which lined up with the word, let him be accursed, doomed to eternal punishment. I'm going to say this again. Isn't that cool? I'm going to say this again to you. If anyone is preaching to you a gospel different or contrary to you received or from, let him be accursed. Let him be accursed. Stop listening to words that are contrary to God's. So here we go. If Jesus... Matthew 24, 15, next page. Jesus said, he's talking about the tribulation in Matthew 24. He's talking about the tribulation. He's talking to the Jews, and he's talking to the Gentiles. He said, when you see these things coming to pass, know that the time is near. You can't talk about, you have to talk about things that are going to be in the future in order to see them coming. Everyone understand that? You can't tell them something that's already passed because then you miss it. He goes, when you see some, this coming in the future, and he, if the rapture happens right before the tribulation, then he has to tell us about stuff that's going to happen in the tribulation to see it coming. So he's telling us things are going to take place. So he tells them, go read the book of Daniel when you see these things coming to pass. So this is what Daniel had to say. Verse 21, Daniel is the end of Daniel. Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book. 2,700 years ago, the angel said, Daniel, don't tell them anymore. Stop it. They're not going to grasp it. They're not going to get it. Seal the book. Until when? Time of the end. Hmm. Time of the end. Hmm. So at the time of the end, we're going to get this. Do you know that John, the revelator, was then told to open it back up and then tell us everything about the time of the end? God's word has already told us everything. Revelation 1 
Here's Daniel and Revelation working hand in hand now. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Who's Jesus Christ? Who is he? He's the Word. Here's the revelation of the Word. The revelation of the 65 books are now going to be disclosed, the unveiling of, to reveal. Revealing or the revelation of something means it's always been there. You're going to reveal it. Covering something up on a tablecloth, right? If you have something on a table and you have a cover on it, you're revealing something that's already there. God's word, there's nothing, there's nothing new under the sun. He's revealing word that's always been there. He's making sense of it. And he says, now I'm going to show you unto the servant, servant's things, which certain things, there's a misspelling there, which must shortly come to pass. There's certain things, things in my word that must shortly and speedily come to pass. And they amplify the next page. God gave it to disclose certain things. There are things in God's word which must shortly and speedily come to pass. In the last 18 months, I would say things have happened very speedily. I mean, it's fast what's taking place. It's fast. So Daniel wrote. Now let's go back to Daniel. Daniel wrote in the book. He wrote from Babylon. He was taken captive at a young man. He's very young. And King Nebuchadnezzar, and he wrote the book of Daniel, Why in Babylonian Captivity. These are the stories of King Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You guys remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Fiery furnace? Next page. Daniel, year of the reign of the king of Judah. And the Lord said to the king of Judah in his hand, along with a part of the vessels in the house gold, and carried him into the land of Shinar. The land of Shinar is also the land of Iraq. So Babylon is in Iraq. The land of Babylon is Iraq, Lebanon, and Syria. This is the land of Iraq. Shinar is also the name that you will find in Genesis chapter 11. Shinar is where the Tower of Babel was built in the land of Shinar. Do you guys remember that? The land of Shinar, that is the first one world government trying to be built. That was from the descendant of Ham. Ham tried to build the first one world government. That was in Shinar. That's... Hmm. Isaiah said, I told you from the beginning what would happen at the end. The descendant of Noah, Ham, Ham and Japheth walked away from God's commands. They tried to start a one-world government and a one-world religion, the Tower of Babel. God dumbfounded their language. Here, Daniel, once again, there's nothing new under the sun. Here in Shinar, the Babylonian Empire, one-world government, was started again. And this is where it's going to happen at the time of the end. The Bible says so. Daniel 4, 7, 8, 9 tells us this is where it's going to originate from before they attack Israel. And that's where you see Genesis chapter 11 right there, the land of Shinar. Next page, page 24. See, we're going quicker than you thought, didn't you? Huh? It's going to be fine. Jesus said, Matthew 24, 15, go read the never wrong prophet Daniel. Daniel is never wrong. Daniel is just not about the book of Daniel's in the lion's den. When we're in Sunday school, you guys, did you guys have flannel boards growing up? You guys, in Sunday school, you had the little flannel boards, remember that? And they would just move stuff around. My mom was a, um, my mom taught children's church growing up. My dad was a senior pastor and my mom taught children's church. And I remember my mom, um, my mom was the sweetest, nicest person you ever meet. She still is. She's just incredibly, just gracious. She's kind. 
and nice. And I remember talking the stories of Daniel and in the lions then specifically. And one of those episodes of when weeks that she was sharing on the flannel board moving him around the lion's den, her fingernail inadvertently um, cut Daniel's head off. <laughs> it, it, it really hurt the end of the story that day, that, that he was okay at the end. <laughs> she, uh, she cried later, but it was okay. A lot of the kids, we, 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 were, we were horrified, but it was fine. So Jesus, Matthew 24, 600 years after the book of Daniel was written about the time of the end, Jesus tells us at the time of the end, go read the book of Daniel. Because a prophet, right there, a prophet's never wrong. The one who foretells the future. In the 1828 Webster's Dictionary, which the definitions from the Webster's Dictionary, Noah Webster, 1828, the definitions were actually taken from the Bible. They used the Greek and the Hebrew and the Latin, Aramaic from Daniel 2 through 9, and they used all those definitions of those words from the Bible, and that's what they used. So they used the word prophet as one who foretells future events, a predictor, a foreteller, and they're never wrong. The Bible, the dictionary actually gave you the example of Jeremiah, Elijah, Isaiah, and Ezekiel. It, isn't it interesting that in Webster's Dictionary, it doesn't say, and all the future prophets on YouTube. It's using people who are already proven to be correct. Uh, once again, personal prophecies, all those type of things. I'm not saying there's something wrong. We know there's gifts that people will walk in those things, and I don't want any people to walk away from here and say, well, I feel that. I I'm talking about end time. Everyone understand that? There's nothing new in the sun with end time prophecy. Because if you keep adding, people are going to go, wait, was there a sliding rule here? What's going to go change here? Mm -hmm. Daniel's the one in chapter 2, verse 34, the next page on page 25. As he looked, there was a stone that was cut out with human hands, which smote the image on its feet of iron and baked clay. He's now talking about the end of the seven-year tribulation. Do you know that the word says that Jesus, he was a stone that what? The builders rejected. And he's now become the cornerstone. And Daniel said, and I see the stone, the stone kingdom, it's at the end of the last 42 months, the second half of the seven-year tribulation. There's a 42-month period and another 42-month period. That's where the eighth empire comes down to Bible prophecy. And at the end of that, Jesus comes down with you and I in Revelation, at the end of Revelation, and we're just slaughtering everybody. I don't want to hurt anybody. No, we're killing wickedness. Three people. We're killing wickedness, everyone. And Jesus said, I got to do it. It says he opens up his mouth and a sword comes out. And he starts swiping everybody. It's like a Rambo movie. It's going to be okay, everyone. It's going to be all right. Don't get scared. You're going to be fine. Page 27. Page 27. Once again, there's all these other scripture verses there. You can read these. these are th so there's things in there. That it's not that it's not important, it's just for, for time. I want these are certain things that I want to go over with you. Because probably 30%, in addition to what is written, I'll give you 30, 30, 30 to 40% more because every single night is different. I write these things. I'll write, I'll write for Tuesday night, probably tonight and tomorrow. Because I say, okay, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to write? But then I get up here and the Holy Spirit goes, there's some more. Because you know what? God uses prepared people. You know, God uses prepared people. You need to be prepared. I don't know anyone who does well in a test without studying. Well, just tell me exactly what I need to study. No, study everything so you're prepared. 
God will give you different, God will let you go in many different directions if you're prepared for many different directions. If you think that this is the only thing I'm supposed to know, then you're, you're living a lie to yourself because God says, I want to use you for everything. Because what if you take one year of your life and you go, oh, I think God wants to change my direction. And you haven't prepared. Well, how do I know what to prepare for? Prepare for everything. The older you get, you'll realize that. It's just going to hit you really hard. <laughs> Has anyone's life turned out differently than they thought? Anyone? Right? Life is not the same as what you thought it was going to be, right? Two days ago, my life is different than I thought it was going to be, right? <laughs> uh, there's five chapters in the book of Daniel, the big blue box on page 27. Big blue box. There's five chapters in the book of Daniel that are significant when you want to understand the time of the end. When studying these chapters, you can see how the prophecy comes into climax at the end of days or time of the end. End of days, you'll find that often in Revelation and other end-time prophetic books in the New Testament. Time of the end, you'll find in the book of Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar's dream of the metallic image, we'll go over that some of it tonight in Daniel chapter 2. And as we close, the tree stump will be later this week. The vision of the four great brass rises on the sea, the vision of the ram and the goat. There's 70-week prophecy. We won't go over that during the study because we're going to be talking about Ezekiel as well as we lay the foundation down for how to read current events and how to identify this as that which was spoken. The next page, you'll see there's images of beasts that Daniel saw in the vision of the book of Daniel that these beasts and symbols are also found in the book of Revelation. This is one of the hardest things, I think, when people are trying to read the book of Revelation. You know, it's hard to free read certain books in the Bible, right? I mean, I'm going to sit down and read the book of Revelation tomorrow, and I'm just praying that it all comes out. Because the book of Revelation is a culmination of 65 books. If you haven't read the other 65, it's hard to get that one. So if you try to jump and just study one without studying the others, it's hard to make sense. You actually have to, you have to go back and forth because Revelation is summarizing the other ones. So apocalyptic books, why does he use symbolism? Symbolism is always used just like how Jesus used symbols in the New Testament. There was symbolism used in the Old Testament. They understood just how we have an eagle for the United States. When it says an eagle, they're talking about the United States. When you're talking about bear, you're talking about Russia. When you see a lion, it's the Britain, England. We all understand symbolism. So when Daniel's talking about these symbolisms in the Bible, that's, he's referring to something that everyone understood at that time. Everyone with me on that? He's using these symbols to understand. So when he talks about even the Grecian Empire, Alexander the Great, a leopard's extremely fast, and Alexander conquered and was known for the world starting at a very quick time. He was in from 19 until he was 20, until he was 32. He conquered everything, and then he was done. We know through Scripture, we won't go over this in its complexity tonight, but we know from history, natural history, he died at age 32. Four generals took over the area of the Grecian Empire. Four generals. Daniel tells us out of those four generals, one is going to become the Antichrist. Daniel tells us that that area of that four general is the area of Iraq, is Shinar. Daniel tells us that. It's an Islamic man from that area. Ezekiel gives us more information about that, so we know what's going to happen. Top of page 31, symbolism can hide the meanings also to protect the writer in symbolism itself. When you read the book of Revelation, 
he uses very interesting symbolisms from not just the empires, but also animals themselves. So here's John, right? John's in prison on the Isle of Patmos, right? Rome, he's writing, he's writing letters, sending them out, and the Romans are reading what he's writing. So he has to hide some meanings in there, but he's concealing the idea of mystery Babylon in his writing. And once again, we're laying down foundation for the next four nights. These are key things that we need to understand. So Revelation 17. Revelation 17. John writes, There are seven kings, five who have fallen. One still exists. The other seventh has not yet appeared. And when he arrives, he must be a brief time. And for the beast that once was is no more. He's the eighth ruler, the king, the head. On the seventh belongs to him. He goes to perdition. And you're reading that and going... I never liked Revelation anyways. This just doesn't make sense to me. This is the seventh and the fourth and the third. I never liked math to begin with. Why does God have to speak in riddles? Because John had to get this writing out for you and I. John had to get this out because the church thought they missed the rapture and they thought they're going through the tribulation. John's in prison risking death to get these letters out to calm the church down because they thought they missed it. And Paul had to keep telling them, I don't want you ignorant to this. You guys should know the Bible by now. Go read the prophets. This isn't it. You know that people were actually in, they were signing Paul's name to letters saying they missed the rapture. That's in the Bible. It says, people have been writing in my name, and I, I, I'm not saying this, you guys. We didn't miss it. It's in the Bible. So, interesting. the city ruling over the great kings of the earth, or mystery of Babylon, they all know it's Rome at that time, right? It's, it's Rome. John's writing from the Sixth Empire Bible prophecy. We know that. It's Rome. And the government of mystery of Babylon will be in Iraq, Syria, and Lebanon. So we know where it's going to be, but he's writing from the Rome, but he can't tell everyone that Rome is going to be conquered because they're going to kill those letters. He's not going to rile people up, so he's speaking in code, but it's not really code when you read the book of Daniel. Everyone with me on that? He's reading, he's writing things that they should know from the book of Daniel. Now I want you to skip ahead two pages. Skip ahead two pages. Like I said, when we understand this, you're going to understand the current events the rest of the week. This is, this is years and years of Bible school study that you're getting really in a quick two hours in one night, and you're going to fully understand this. You are. You're going to get it because you got the notes. You can see this. Daniel, the t um, this is going to be, this is at the, uh, in page 33, third paragraph. Daniel deals with five empires. Two have already been, at the time of Daniel's writing, Daniel's dealing with Babylon. You guys remember he's Babylon in captivity. Before Daniel, Assyria and Egypt empires have already been. You guys remember Moses, right? Egypt. There's the Assyrian Empire, and there is Egypt. Those two empires have already been. He's writing from number three, Babylon, then the Media Persia, Greece, Rome, Mystery, Babylon, and then the Beast Empire. Those are the remaining empires, and Daniel foretold all of those in order, and that goes into the image in Daniel chapter 2. You guys remember the gold head, right? Silver, the bronze, they all represented the metals that was used for the monetary system, and we'll talk about that more. 
But not only in page 34 did Daniel see the empires of Babylon, Media, Persia, Greece, Rome, but he also saw the end of days. Daniel saw the tribulation empires of the seventh and eighth empires coming to power. He was speaking about the Antichrist having 10 kings, the 10 toes, under him coming down from Iraq to start the eighth empire Bible prophecy 42 months into the tribulation after the peace treaty is signed. I wrote down where you can find those passages. We'll study those more during the series. So the time of the end, this frame, the time frame, Daniel is covering 26 years of history beginning with Babylon. Do you know that Daniel nailed all these empires in order? This is why Jesus said, go read Daniel. Daniel foretold things centuries in advance. For 2,600 years, you know that Daniel's been right? 2,600 years. No one looked at Daniel and go, let's erase all the stuff that Daniel got wrong. No, Daniel's always right. You don't have to erase anything that Daniel's got wrong because he didn't get anything wrong. He didn't get anything wrong. So the book of Daniel, the next page, has numerous events predicted that are parallel to the book of Revelation. In these couple boxes, I wrote that. So the beast unites a ten-horned empire, Revelation 13. Daniel chapter 2 that's found at the bottom of the statue in Nebuchadnezzar's dream that has ten toes. It's exactly, it's ten, the five toes are from the old Western Roman Empire, five toes from the old Eastern Roman Empire. We'll talk about that during this series. We know exactly who those nations are. The image of the beast was worshipped and those who refused were killed, Revelation 13. That's what happened. The image of Nebuchadnezzar was to be worshipped, they were to be killed. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you guys remember? Revelation chapters 4 through 19, the beast kingdom lasts for seven years, 42 months and 42 months. Seven years divided in half, but the church isn't there. Daniel chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar have a seven-year breakdown symbolizing the seven-year tribulation. You remember Nebuchadnezzar, it's seven years. Revelation 13, the beast unites a ten-horned empire, and then once again you have that. It's continuous in order of what's going to take place. Page 38, page 38, and we're going to close with Revelation. You guys getting this tonight? So when you look at Daniel's chapter 1 through 4, especially the prophetic parts, it's a foreshadowing of Revelation. Now, you and I, we can go through the other 64 books of the Bible, and all this stuff is in there too. It's just, the Bible is built upon line upon line. Daniel's explaining and summarizing things that are happening in the Old Testament, and John's just summarizing the things that are taking all, not all the New Testament writers in the Old Testament together. And he just keeps bringing it forward, bringing it forward, bringing it forward, because God never wants us to miss it. But chapter 4, the seven-year breakdown, is concealed in the story of Daniel. This is about the Antichrist, the ten kings, killing those who will not worship the image of the beast. The image of the beast, or take the computer chip in order to buy, sell, or trade. You know, there's a famine that's going to take place in the seven-year tribulation. One-third of the water is going to be poisoned overnight. One-third of the food is going to be gone overnight. One-third of the vegetation gone overnight. If you think you had a hard time scoring some toilet paper last March and April, can you imagine when one-third of everything is gone? You talk about a supply chain issue now, one-third of the people are gone. Not even just one-third of the people are gone, but now the one-third of the people who are gone were producing those things. Now... Not just people are being killed during that time where things are being wiped out because of tsunamis and earthquakes and things, but the Christians are gone. 
It's going to be great when the Christians are first gone, right? It's like, whew, those crazy Christians, those conspiracy theorists are gone. Oh, oh, Bob the Christian, he had a nice boat, though. I get his boat. Oh, he had nice bends. I get his bends now, too. Mm. But then a couple days later, there's no food. There's no gas. So it doesn't matter. But Israel gets the Temple Mount back. We'll talk about that. For 42 months, they get the Temple Mount. In Israel, everything's great. But they got 42 months of witnesses, Enoch and Elijah, walking around telling them, but this is the rapture just took place. Get ready, because the Antichrist and false prophet are getting ready to attack you. So we're going to close Revelation. Here you go. Here's the parallel to Daniel. I wanted to talk to you about the kingdoms one through eight, because we're going to understand that this is that which is spoken of by the prophet Daniel. As John, he said he stood on the sandy beach. That's the Mediterranean beach. We know that because the studies that we'll go through, it's in the Greek. And I saw a beast, a beast in the Bible from Daniel to Revelation. A beast just means it's an empire, a beast system. And you'll see this. A beast just means it's an empire, and it's an empire that always has a government and a religion. I don't care if it was the time of Egypt, if it was Syria, if it was Babylon, it always had a religion, and it always had a government. A beast system is a government and a religion. So I saw a beast coming out, and it had ten horns and seven heads. Hmm. And on his horn, he had ten royal crowns and blasphemous titles on his head. Blasphemous titles on his head. In Islam, they wear things on their head called the Shahadat. It says, there is no God but Allah, and Allah has no sons. In First and Second John, it says, for those who say that God has no sons, that's blasphemy. So John says, I saw the rising out of the Mediterranean, people written with blasphemy on their heads. Islamic government coming up, rising out, and it had seven heads. It's the seventh kingdom of Bible prophecy. It's the seventh beast. It's the first 42 months of the seven-year tribulation with ten horns, five from the old Western Roman Empire, five from the old Eastern Roman Empire. He's just explaining what was token, taking place in Daniel chapter 2. And I saw that beast. It resembled a leopard. We're going to break that down next, uh, next week on Tuesday. His feet were like those of a bear and mouth was like a lion. He's explaining who these major nations are. And on one of his heads, this is where it always gets people right now, verse 3, on one of his heads, remember, it's a seven-headed beast, right? It's not Godzilla coming out of the Mediterranean. No, it's a beast. It's a government and religious system, and it's the seventh kingdom of Bible prophecy that Daniel told us about. That's all it is. But on one of his heads, out of the seven heads that they see, one had a deadly wound. But his death stroke had healed, and the whole earth went after that beast, that government system, in amazement, admiration. The only system that everyone thought was dead, but now it comes back to life, is Babylon. Because media Persia, we know Persia, 1935, that's called Iran now. We know Assyria, we know Egypt, all that. Babylon was the only one that was cut down, and we know it's now it was never brought back to life, but we know that's the reformation of Iraq, Lebanon, and Syria. David says so. I mean, Daniel said so. And that's where everyone is coming into Iraq right now. Everyone with me? Babylon is rising again, the Babylonian Empire, and the Bible said it would, and this is what he's talking about. It had a death stroke. It was cut down. We know Daniel chapter 4, it says the stump was cut down, but it wasn't completely rooted up, and it began to grow back again. That's what he's talking about. And the beast was given the power of speech. 
Well, wait, 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 what's this beast? It's a government system. It was given power. All of a sudden, the people of this earth gave credence to what this new government system that came in to attack Israel. Seventh empire, the first 42 months, this new government is going to be joined by a false prophet called the Pope. And in order to unite and get everyone food, because everything is chaotic going up, we're up in heaven, Jesus opened the scrolls, judgments are being poured out, it's going to be chaos on the earth. But the beast was given power of speech, and he uttered blasphemous words. He was given freedom to exert his authority and to exercise his will for how long? 42 months. Hmm. He was further permitted to wage war against God's holy people attacking Jerusalem, who had the Temple Mount back, 42 months into it. How do I know that? It's 42 months in. Revelation 11 says, for the first 42 months, there was two witnesses because Israel had the Temple Mount back. Now, in Revelation 13, the last 42 months, this is what takes place. He was further permitted to wage war against God's people, and all the inhabitants of the earth is going to fall down in adoration, pay homage. They have to. Why? In order to buy, sell, or trade. So if anyone is able to hear, let him hear. Verse 10, whoever leads into captivity will himself go into captivity. If anyone slays with a sword, the sword must be slain. Then I said to, I saw another beast rising out of the land. He had two horns like a lamb. That's the false prophet. So you have kings inside of kingdoms. Everyone understand that? Think about a kingdom. Who is the king of the kingdom? There's always two kings. One is the king of government. One is the king of religion. So inside this kingdom, first they saw the government coming down that is blasphemous against God, that is Islam, and they were going to say, I'm going to attack Israel. They've been up against Israel for a long time. False prophet is going to join him, and that's the other one that they see in verse 11. He's going to join this new beast system, and he exerts the power and control of the former beast in his presence and causes the earth to dwell upon it, to defy that beast whose deadly wound was healed, Babylon. He performs great signs, even making fire fall from the sky. He's going to trick people to think he's doing stuff, but God's doing it. And because of these things, he thinks he's performing for the beast. He deceives the inhabitants of the earth. Oh, it's global warming. I knew these crazy Christians. They're gone. And look what they cause. There's tsunamis everywhere. There's earthquakes. It's like, no, God said, I'm doing that. But the people... The wicked people are saying, no, it's those people who are just, the aliens just took them away. Why do you think all this alien junk has been going on? People have to come up with reasons to explain what just happened in a rapture. I'm not telling you that's the only ex explanation. I think a lot of people are going to know they just missed the rapture. But, verse 16, he's going to compel both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be marked with an inscription stamped, etched, Marked, implanted, when you read in the Greek, it's all those words, on the right hands or the foreheads. Now, why the right hand or the forehead? In case you don't have a right hand. you got to have a chip on you somewhere. Isn't it interesting? He wrote that 2,000 years ago. If you don't have that, no one will have the power to buy or sell unless he bears the stamp, the inscription, the chip, the mark. That is the name of the beast system. The beast system, oh, okay, hold on, I'm going to hit myself, okay. Or the number of his name. The system has a name. Here's room for discernment, a call for wisdom. Let anyone who has what? 
Intelligence. <laughs> I love God's word. Let anyone who has intelligence, penetration of insight, calculate the number. In the Greek, it says the symbol of the beast. What's a beast? It's an empire. It's a political system and a religious system. So let he with understanding understand, we just read in the previous 17 passages, 16 passages, it says it's going to be a government and a religion. It's going to be a false prophet and an antichrist coming from the Islamic out of the Mediterranean from from Iraq, Lebanon, and Syria. And it's going to be joined by the false prophet. And we'll see that Revelation 7 and 18. These two men come down. It says they're men. They're actual men. They're going to come in and they're going to cause people to take a number or a symbol inside of their hand or forehead so they can buy, sell, or trade. Well, what is that? It says, and that number is going to be 666. So what's 666? Greek Dramatria tells me it's 600 equals chi. 60 is xi, 6 is stigma. 600 chi or Christos. Remember, this symbol, this beast system is a religion and it's a government. This chip represents a government and a religion. 600 equals Chi, I'll show you the chart later this week. It's Christos. Christos, an anti-God system, a false Christian system. 60 is a symbol to mark. It's the symbol of Zai. When you see this symbol, it's the exact symbol of Zai, which in Arabic is Allah. Six is stigma, means you're a slave to it. You have to be a slave to the system in order to buy, sell, or trade. Let he with understanding under this, understand this mark of the last beast system, the last empire of Bible prophecy that's going to be led by a false prophet and an antichrist. In order to buy, sell, or trade, you have to be in alignment with it. That homosexuality is not wrong. That there is no God but Allah, and Allah has no sons. This is why Dr. Rick Warren, when he prayed to Esau, he's trying to placate to the Islamic world in order to bring peace. But God said there's never going to bring any peace until all the wickedness is gone. He can bring peace between you, God, and man, but there's not going to be peace on this earth until it's all wiped out and it's gone. So when any time a pastor or preacher tries to placate and try and common denominators, let's all bring all the religions together, that's false because it can never happen. So when you hear people saying, let's just all bring these different religions together, it can't happen, the Bible says so. This is why the false prophet, the Pope right now, is trying to bring all these different denominations and religions together because he's fulfilling prophecy. Well, why doesn't the Catholic Church talk about it? Because it's about them. I'm not saying all the Catholics are all bad. I'm telling you, it's the system of the Catholic Church that's going to be used that we're supposed to be watching because Revelation 17, 18 tells me the false prophet is going to be known for wearing red and purple. They sell candles in order to make money. They're on the shores and they've been on centuries of all the kings and kingdoms on this world. There is no Baptist religion. There is no Assemblies of God. There's no Church of God that has been around for centuries that wears red and purple in their garments and they drink from golden goblets that is actually going to fulfill that prophecy other than the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church, the United States is the only one that differentiates between Catholic and Christian. All other nations called Catholic Christian. It's an apostate Christian religion. How do I, I can't believe you're saying that. I'm not. The Bible is. Wake up, church. Oh, we shouldn't talk about that in church. We have to. 
The reason why people are being duped and deceived is we don't talk about it. The reason people are not going into church anymore because they see it's a scam, because we only talk about certain things because we're worried about the money going to keep coming in. God will provide. God will provide for you if you open your mouth. God will provide for the church if they open up their mouth because we're supposed to be a city set on a hill and it's supposed to be so bright and beaming. It says, babe, they care about us because they're telling us what's going on. But this is what God's word is trying to tell us tonight. Amen? Amen. You guys get this tonight? And this is just the beginning. This is just foundation night. There's so much more in there, isn't there? You got, oh, okay, let's stand a little close in prayer. Pastor Paul, did you need to close and say anything or what do you, you want to come for? We're, okay. I'm going to pray real quick as he's coming up. Father, I just thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for the illumination of your word. And for many, maybe I've heard this before, they know it's like, well, give us greater understanding and excitement for your word. It's exciting to be in this end. You chose us to be around for this time. Father, I pray as we continue on this week, as more and more people, not just watching online, but as they keep coming, because we're going to get the word out that God's word is true. We're living God's and there's so much more than it's just it's just not a history book. It's we are living the Bible right now. So, Father, I pray for that, the continuous illumination in our spirit, man, to be alive like never before in Jesus name. Amen. Pastor Paul, as you come forward. Amen. Good stuff. Come on, let's go. Thank you so much. Good stuff. Um, as you noticed, we didn't pass a plate or anything, uh, I'm going to ask our ushers if they'll stand in the back. If you would like to help uh, us take care of our, our pastor who's come to share with us, um, they've traveled from Michigan, and as you can tell, he has spent plenty of time studying, and um, so let's, let's honor him. Um, I'm not going to pass a plate, but if you will, go by uh, and give to put in these baskets to these guys. We want to make sure that we take care of, of, of Grant and Kelly. We're so thankful for you. They didn't, you know, sometimes uh, these, these great big evangelists come and they, they lay out, a, this is how much we expect you to get. These guys are just super humble, love God, want to get the word out. So let's do our best to help take care of them, all right? Um, if you're coming to my house tomorrow, Please let uh, the office know tomorrow so we can kind of have at least a little bit of idea. Is it all right? I mean, I, I don't want to put you on the spot. If you're planning on coming to my house tomorrow, would you raise your hand right now? All right. Two, four, signals again. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, we want to make sure we have plenty of room, chairs for you. Um, it, it'll be a good time just to, to sit around, to communicate, to ask questions. Uh, it'll be very relaxed. Please don't wear your three-piece suit. I won't. Um, <laughs> I don't. Anyway, anyway, thank you guys. God bless you guys. Thank you so much. Amen.